I think it just sometimes takes that person to tell you, like, you can always do better. And, like, my sister, when I when I wanted to start Radical Rabbit, she told me um, I wanted to do it, but I wasn't, like, putting in the steps to do it. I would just always say, I want my own restaurant. I want my own restaurant one day. And one time I was cooking for her, and she takes my cook. She's like, Ryan, you should really start your restaurant. You can really do it. Like, you'll be good at it. Then after that, I was like, someone believes in me, like, so I'm going to do it, you know? Mm. So then I just put it into action. Like, if someone believes in it and I believe in it, like, just make it happen. Just do whatever you need to do. This is Epic Ordinary Lives Podcast. Welcome to episode 32 of Epic Ordinary Lives, the podcast that rests in the idea that your life and your story are worth sharing, and that the act of telling your story can both help you and help the folks that are listening. Because on one hand, it helps you reflect on all that you've gone through and all that you've learned and your entire journey. And on the other hand, the challenges that you've overcome and the joys that you have experienced can help other people because it can help them maybe find themselves in your story, even if they've lived an entirely different life and walked an entirely different path. What I love about this episode with Mariah Raglan is her journey and how it did not follow a straight linear path. I think a lot of us can feel maybe bad if our if if it's not clear what it is we're supposed to do or what we really want to do. And what is so inspiring about Mariah Raglan is that she 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 tried things. She gave herself permission and she it seems, is a born entrepreneur, which you will hear in this episode. She's done everything from been a DJ to uh, essentially having her own taxi service all the way to her current passion project, which is serving vegan soul food through Radical Rabbit. I was initially drawn to Radical Rabbit because of how creative and unique I found it. When I think about vegan food, and when I think about soul food, I don't at least imagine those things going together into one product. And here they are. It is a perfect marriage because Radical Rabbit's food is excellent. Whether you are a vegan, vegetarian, or none of the above, if you just partake in a standard American diet, this stuff is quite creative and wonderful. And I love these stories of how someone is able to bring their path and their life and their past into where they are now. So I'm reading from the Radical Rabbit website. Using two hands and a heart of love, Radical Rabbit was created to support a harmonious world. Here at Radical Rabbit, we focus on keeping it real, progressive, natural, and revolutionary. We do that with earth-based products and plant-based food. 
And I would agree that the food is soulful and tastes amazing. If this podcast has benefited you, you can support it by subscribing on Apple or Stitcher Radio or wherever you get podcasts. You can also share it with a friend. And if you're feeling the most generous, you can write a review on Apple iTunes. The podcast is up to 20 reviews. Thank you to everybody that has written a review thus far. If you want to check out Radical Rabbit, you can go to radrab.com. That is R-A-D-R-A-B.com. You can also get access to the podcast and older episodes by going to epicordinarylives.com. If there is two things that I walk away from this interview with, it is A, I was deeply inspired by how much she goes after things that she's interested in. And she doesn't just talk about them, she tries them out. And the second thing that I really took away is just how easily she was vulnerable and shared her very significant challenges that she went through to get to where she is today. I think any of us can see someone who is successful and think, well, I couldn't do possibly what they did. And I think her story helps maybe annihilate that idea. So without further ado, please enjoy... Mariah Raglan's Epic Ordinary Life. So I am here with Mariah Raglan of Radical Rabbit on a cloudy Sunday in Nashville. How are you doing, Mariah? I'm good. Staying above the weather. Staying positive. Yeah. Do you like the, the fall? Do you like the transition from the blazing hot Tennessee summer? No, I actually like the blazing hot Tennessee summer. I'm a country girl, so... The hot weather and all that is like me and my element. Yeah. Yeah. So the humidity then, not a problem. Yeah, no, not at all. Fall's cool though. Well, I will say that the very first time that I found out about Radical Rabbit was when my wife uh, came home from the farmer's market with a little box. No. And inside she said was i think it was like vegan wings it was it it was chicken and i was going vegan chicken wings probably our fried jackfruit well see i had never had jackfruit before and when i had my first bite i had a genuine religious experience oh wow i could not believe I can't, we, we were both looking at each other with wide eyes going, this is, this is fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, what followed was an absolute, like I would look forward to, uh, anytime I got a chance to look at your social media and see the creations that y'all were doing, uh, everything from, uh, the most recent, uh, seafood macaroni. Oh Yeah to the banana pudding with various flavors. So it did not take long for me to make whatever Radical Rabbit was putting out that week something that I was, I mean, I've only had it like maybe four times, but it's not only going to be four times. I'll tell you that much. Oh yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, four times is a lot. I appreciate that support a lot. Yeah. Excuse my daughter in the background. Well, it's totally okay. And every interview that I've done, you know, the people listening are in this world we live in in 2020. And if they're listening and it's after 2020, 
this is all part of it. So it's it's totally okay. But I want to, you know, ever since I, I was eating what I considered this amazing creation, very unique, I was just curious, how did we get here? And mm -hmm. so I want to take it back. And I want to talk about where did Mariah, like, what was Mariah like as a kid? Where You grew up in Knoxville? Mm-hmm. Yep. I grew up in um, East Knoxville um, with my family, of course. But, <laughs> um, like, so the women in our family were, like, the cookers, which, I mean, I guess, like, I don't know. People don't like to hear that. But, I mean, it's the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, the women were in the kitchen. Um, so my mom, she cooked um, – she cooks every single day. Like we weren't really the type of family that went out and ate in restaurants. Mm. Um, and I mean, of course that saves money anyway. So that's how we ate. Um, but every Sunday she would cook, we would have a family dinner and it would always include cornbread, usually greens, basically the stuff I'm cooking now, um, you know, soul food. Uh, we didn't eat pork or chicken. So we ate some, you know, somewhat healthy, um, but yeah, so it's like my family is still like to eat healthy, but also to eat soul food. So um, I guess the transition to veganism, I, I wasn't too overwhelmed to like start cooking the food that I was used to. So it just happened. Like I went vegetarian, then vegan, and I, I just kept calling her for recipes. And I wouldn't ask her for like and my auntie and, you know, other family members. Um, how they like their exact recipes. I didn't ask them to veganize it. And then I would like take it and veganize it, you know? Is there, when you look back to being uh, in that, in that experience of uh, being in the kitchen, were they teaching you things along the way or was it, was it just, were you helping? Like, what did that look like? Yeah. So my mom, she cooks, she wouldn't just cook for us. She would cook for like, like not just the media family. She would cook for like, other like um like if there was a a family gathering we would have we would celebrate kwanzaa every december she would be cooking for that so i would help like usually with the big stuff i would be like you know a kid not really caring about like cooking in the kitchen or i would help a little bit and she would say i would be eating too much like eating all the ingredients um <laughs> or just playing too much so then she would eventually say okay right go or then i would get like too um i don't know too bored as a kid to, to stay in the kitchen but now I wish I did, but like, well, like I said, like Kwanzaa dinners, I would stay up with her until like 12 in the morning and help her cook for that. And then I would go to bed. So I helped out a little bit. Do you think, was she, did she love that? Like, was she the type of person that loved the art of cooking, the creation, or was it more like functional? Like, you know, she just, she, she had to get it done for those that she was helping. No, I, I think she definitely loved it. Cause like, I mean, if you don't love cooking, you won't be in there till like three in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I know some people now, like if, if they were cooking for or helping someone with, for their like baby shower or wedding or a family get together, they would just go out and buy something. But she would cook everything from scratch. So, you know, she loved it, mm -hmm. you know. Did she learn like was there there's some type of a. I'll say that my wife and I, when we got married, we had all family members share recipes from mm -hmm. different legacy recipes, if you will. And so, you know, was she following like, a, did she have a history of like her mother teaching her that kind of thing? Or did she just yeah. pick it up or? It was actually, well, okay. So when she grew up, she, um, there was like maybe 
six of her siblings and she lives with like two of her cousins. So it was like a lot of kids in the house. So she will be, they will be responsible for, um, like the kids will be responsible for cooking. Um, but of course that, you know, she probably got it from her grandma, but I know, um, when I was growing up, she would say like, this was my grandma, my dad's mother's recipes. Cause she was, um, my grandma, she, um, passed away but she was um like every time we went to her house she would say are you hungry and then she would like cook us like these huge meals so she was like the the cooker in our family so then after she passed my mom kind of did most of the cooking and my auntie did as well so yeah she used most of her recipes is it one of those situations where you go over and you know she says are you hungry you go ah a little bit a giant plate uh-huh. And I can remember that even like I think I was like three years old, like around that. But that's like one thing I remember is that like if I was hungry or a little bit hungry, she would make these huge meals. That's that's such a I feel like it's becoming less and less not only that people cook, period, but that you've got this history of cooking in, in a family. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Uh, one of the things when I was researching for this interview, I read somewhere that you had a particular love of nature as a child. You were talking a moment ago about being growing up in the country. So did you, did you love to be outside? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say, so I, I grew up in Knoxville, but it was like, um, I guess they would call it like the urban area, but mm -hmm. I mean, to most, it wasn't like city living, you know. I mean, it was it was a city, but it wasn't like Chicago or New York, you know. It's a bunch of trees and nature around. So, yeah, I think, like, even now, I, I, I look for, like, places with a bunch of trees or nature or um, just stuff around where I can just feel like I'm not, I don't know, closed in, you know, fresh mm. air. Mm. Was there a, a particular dish that your mother or grandmother made that sticks out for you as like one of the like main ones? Um, dang, I don't know why I just keep thinking about cornbread. Maybe I'm in the mood for cornbread, but definitely that. My mom, she would bake stuff a lot. Like I told you, she did soul food, but um, it wasn't like, she did it like on the healthier side. So um, cornbread, um, let's see. She did baked chicken, which is why I did the smothered jackfruit chicken. Um, and then, so my uncle, he would do um, like a fish fry mm. or just people around the neighborhood. Like in the summers, every time there was a car wash or something, there would be, always be like a fish fry. So I tried to recreate that with um, our vegan, um, I call it fish and skeddy. It was like a vegan banana blossom fish and spaghetti. Banana blossom fish. Yeah, well, it's it's like the flower that grows on the um, on the banana tree, but it's um, it's edible, so it has like a fishy like texture. Huh. So you just let that marinate with like seaweed and other flavors that will make it taste like fish, and you just fry it like a fish. That's incredible. There's so many. I mean, that almost sounds like a like a mushroom, but it's not. And so many cool foods that I think what I want for people who are listening, who may hear something like smothered jackfruit and go, well, I, you know, I've never had anything like that. I've never, this stuff is so creative and delicious and wonderful. And I, I just like what you just said, that food you just described, 
I've been alive for 34 years. I've never heard of. What did you flower? What was it? Blossom? <laughs> what did it Banana blossom. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, people have been programmed to eat like the same four animals, you know, like chick, uh, chicken, pig, cow, turkey. That's what I'm thinking. Turkey. Um, but then we forget that there's like thousands, well, millions, you know, and billions of different kind of plants that we can eat that will just like blow your mind, like with how many things you can do. Like just think like how many things you do with like an eggplant or like jackfruit, like we like we use, you know, there's like so many different options. And all these, all these other plants offer like um, antioxidants, you know, like the fruits or different vitamins and minerals that you probably couldn't get or you could get by eating an animal, but you know, it's much cleaner. Yeah, I mean, lion's mane mushrooms that I'd never had lion's mane until this year. And that's such, it, it's filled with nutrients. Oh my gosh. Yes. And it gives you like clarity and focus. And I can attribute like most of the meals that I recently made would be like after I drunk like some lion's mane extract coffee. Like it just gives you so much. I don't know. It's kind of like a brain refresher just wakes you up. Yeah. I've, I think I've had that coffee that you're describing. Oh, cool. But I, so I'm, I'm just, I think it's fascinating. You grew up in a household with, with cooking and with like serious cooking, like legit. Well, I mean, you mentioned cornbread, hearing the word cornbread makes me a happy person. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, it doesn't seem when I, I studied like your journey, it doesn't look like you knew that you were going to be creating food for mm -hmm. a living. Is that like you went to Fisk university? Mm-hmm. And you majored in yeah. business. So did you have any idea that you, what you would be doing with that? Well, I, okay. I actually majored in business and art so that I could minor in film because I thought I was going to be like a film director or a film editor. But when I got into it, it was just like a lot of paperwork and like, it wasn't really that much like creating. It was more like, like, okay. So I went, in high school, I would be like known for like making a ton of YouTube videos. So like when I went to school, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna do film. But it was like so much more than that. And it wasn't just like putting up a video and creating what you want. It's like doing the paperwork mm. and like finding a film crew and like doing so, you know, permits and stuff. And I was like, wow. So in the midst of this, I just like, like I told you, I went vegetarian. And then, like, when I went vegetarian, I, like, joined a PETA 2, um, or I was in charge of, like, a PETA 2 campus crew on our team, and then I started an animal rights organization. And then animal rights just kind of, like, morphed into, like, who I was. Like, people would know I was doing that. And, of course, I was doing other things that they would know me for, but I guess that was, like, my passion. Mm. And I was DJing as well, but then I stopped DJing because I, um, I was pregnant with my daughter. And then I guess the food just took over and it's just what I was doing every day in my dorm anyways. I was like sneaking and cook. Like we weren't supposed to cook in our dorm room. And I was like sneaking and cooking every single day anyways. So it just, I don't know. It just happened so naturally, you know? So, I, I'm so glad that you, you brought up like all these things that you have done because I love interviewing people that have lived a life that is like kind of a weaving you know, it's not a, not a direct straight. Well, I knew I wanted to be a dentist when I was, you know, four years old, like, I, cause that's not my experience. My experience is that it is a, a weaving path. And so I love the fact that you brought up that you were a DJ cause I did see that in my research. And I just thought, 
you have done a lot of things. Yeah, I, I read this book um, and it's like, you've lived like, like people talk about like what your past life could have been, but it's like your past life is what you've already lived. Like in my past life, I was a DJ. In my past life, I ate meat. In my past life, I wasn't a mother. You know, it's like you, you've already, like you already lived like 20 lives already. And like who you are now might not be your life in like five years, you know? That is so good because I look back at me at like 20 and part of that me is here, right here. But part of that me is not at all. Like I am not that guy that was back then. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I mean, yeah, I like how you say that. Like you, it's still a part of you, but it's not like who you are, you know? And like people will still ask me, do you, do you DJ? I need a DJ. I'm like, that's not me anymore. And I don't want to like relive that, you know, like I can do it if I wanted to, but I don't want to. Well, what I, what I'm hearing is like, you are somebody that really follows the passion that you're feeling. Like you, mm -hmm. you loved making videos. You were making videos before you learned about the bureaucracy or the administrative aspect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like you, all, doing all these different things and following passion is that something that has always come naturally for you or did you cultivate that or yeah I think I think it's following my passion but also being able to like make some kind of living off of you know I just mm. I, I think I, I like I'm into art and that like I liked it a lot but I think my passions make more sense when I can like eat a meal at the end of the day because of it, you know, like, like DJing was cool because I didn't have to work another job and I didn't have to like be, well, I did actually work another job, but <laughs> I don't know. I liked it and it made sense because I could make a living from it. Like I would do these other things. Like I, I've done so many different entrepreneur type things. I think it's, maybe it's just the entrepreneur side of it, you know, like doing your passion, but like making it a part of your life. Because just a passion is a hobby. I think that's probably what it is. Yeah. Like I, I find it hard to like find a hobby when I'm like, I don't, I guess I just end up doing my hobbies as my job. I don't know. <laughs> I well, guess it's No, I mean that, like, I think it's powerful because there's a lot of folks that might be listening who, you know, they could be on, they could be on that side of that, that, that question of like, I love this thing. This, I feel like this is like one of my things, but you know, I, some people don't have the knowledge to turn it into an income stream. Some people don't have the, I mean, it t probably takes a lot of guts. Uh, yeah, so that's you, honestly what it is. Oh, talk about that. Yeah, I, I honestly think it's just like guts. Like, um, so I, I really love Steve Harvey and like he, he, like one of his things or his book title was like, just take the leap or take a leap, take a jump, a leap of faith, mm. take a leap of faith. And, um, I think sometimes it's like, if you have an idea and you want to do it, like, just do it. Like you can either fail or you can, um, or you can succeed and you're probably going to fail at first. Just like see it through, you know, if it's really your passion, just see it through. Like, um, in college, I, there was a, um, it was like Lyft and Uber. I think they were there, but they weren't like that popular. So I wanted to like make some money, like giving people rides and people like people always ask me for rides because I was one of the ones with a car. So I was like, let me just turn this into a business. So I put like signs up and I was like, um, I forgot the name of it. It was probably something like 
get lit, give me a ride. It was something like centered around cars. <laughs> and like, I would like make money just giving people rides to places like from Fisk already, you know? So it was like, it was the dumbest idea. You, I sold candy out of my dorm room. It was like the dumbest idea or maybe not dumb, but like, it was like the silliest ideas or just something that I just thought of. And I was like, let me just try it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm not doing it now. It doesn't have to be your lifelong thing, but at least it's something that you tried or like, we could even just say like, it was like a part of that past life, just trying out entrepreneurship because like your first idea won't be your last idea. You know, you just got to keep, I don't know, try things out. Like I had a blog once, but I don't have it anymore. You know, it's just, I don't know. Well, you, I mean, a lot of people, what I think is so cool about what you're saying is that you, it's like you give yourself permission. Like you've yeah. got a freedom, you've got a lightness about you with these things. You know, it doesn't sound like you're overthinking these things. Exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. Just not over, like, I'm, I don't overthink things that, I mean, some things you have to overthink, you know, when it comes to like parenthood and decisions with your children, but um, yeah, you're right. You just, but yeah, just, yeah, just not overthinking and just like jumping into it if you feel it's right, you know? And of course, like talk to someone and see what they think. Because uh, Radical Rabbit wouldn't have been named Radical Rabbit would have had this way less like a memorable name. And uh, my sister was like, no, that's not it. Like, that's not a good name. So then I came up with Radical Rabbit. So it's like having your idea and just like, maybe not just like throwing yourself into it. I might've like misled you with that, but like, like you know, thinking it through and then just, but actually like having a plan to do it, you know, if that's really what you want to do. Yeah. Like once you make the decision, once you've done the thinking and the prep work, take a leap, take yeah. a leap of faith. Yeah, exactly. Cause if you don't do it, just think of how you would feel if someone else did it. You know what I'm saying? You could mm -hmm. be like, dang, I had that idea. I just didn't do it. You were talking about uh, the notion that you had lived different lives and not as you pointed out different lives like reincarnation but different lives in the chapters of your life and i think we were talking specifically about you being a dj but you you mentioned all these other things that you had done just that notion of all the lives that you've lived leading up to where you are now yeah definitely um i guess it's just like people have um or i think that pe like so when i this probably sounds like totally off topic but it, so it's like my sister was like why do you have all these tattoos like one day you're gonna change but it's like so like my tattoos they like make sense to me but it also makes sense to me like I was saying like in my past life like in high school I didn't have them in high school but I feel like it was something I would get in high school and then maybe 30 years from now I would still like the tattoos because in essence it's still me mm. like no matter what I'm doing like like me and my soul is still gonna be the same but like I could be living like a totally different life. Like maybe I won't be cooking. I probably will, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. maybe I'll take on like, um, I can't even imagine what I'll be doing in my next life, which is actually in this lifetime. But like, it's like, I'm still going to be me, but like a, just a different version or a part of me, you know? That is, that is profound. Especially I like that you use the tattoo as a metaphor for this or not just a metaphor. I mean, literally it's ink that we put on our body and actually what your sister was talking about. I have in my head, I've gone that exact thing. I've gone, how do you choose a symbol or an image or a word or a phrase or whatever 
that that is always going to represent you. That has been my exact worry. It's like you're 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 making permanent that chapter, but what you're saying makes a whole lot of sense. It's like a map of your of your past. Exactly, but I mean, I did start like so. I feel like kids, you know, they're still like figuring out who they are and like. Mm-hmm what they're doing but I mean I was in college and I was still figuring it out but still in essence like if you met Mariah like 10 years ago or if you met Mariah today like Mariah was still like the same girl that like loved nature I'm just it's like something that just doesn't stop or mm-hmm. um still like the same type of like kind-hearted in essence um I don't know I'm like describing myself right now but like your like your essence is still there like you are still you so like you know, you would, I mean, I don't know you, but like, would you get like a unicorn princess tattoo on your forehead? You know, <laughs> like if you don't like it now, you probably won't like it in 20 years, unless for some reason you just do a 360 and like now you're into like unicorns and princess, but it's like something. So like this like represents the earth in the air, mm. the triangles on my arm. Cool. And, and that's just two things that like, I feel like are like my signs, but also like, things that power me and keep me motivated like being out in nature or um just going out and like smelling the breath of fresh air you know yeah no a hundred percent like I I really like what you're saying I when I was a kid I was in the Great Smoky Mountains hiking with my parents and I saw like a pool of water off on the side I too love being outside. I, I, it's something that I, I have to have. It's not a, it's not a, a, a thing I want. It's a thing I gotta have, to, yeah. to be healthy. But I remember seeing this pool of water, and it had to have been the fall. It was definitely not the summer. And I asked my my parents. I said, "Can I go swim in that water?" And they were like, "Well, sure, if you can get down there." And we hiked down there. And I remember, you know, like, I think I had a swimsuit on underneath my hiking gear or whatever, but I got, it was, it was freezing. It was absolutely freezing, but I loved it. I loved the, the cold. I even loved the pain. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you were just talking about how air and earth, is that what you said? Or those those water has always had some kind of, I've always had a deep connection with it. Kind of like what you're describing. Yeah, even if it's freezing cold. <laughs> it, that's exactly right. Whether it's a hot tub or whether it's a you know pool on the side of the road and or on the side of the trail in in the Smokies. So, so so you you made that decision for those tattoos, and this was not just like a light decision you made. It doesn't sound like you you these are very important symbols for you. Yeah, well, this one is the rest is just really design. You know, like the bars. Um, but still, I mean, this is like so plain, it probably won't make sense to anybody. But like I said, I, I think if, if like I'm 80 years old, I'll still be like, like I was telling you, like the same me, like I could be doing something totally different. I could be in a whole different situation, like um, financially, or mm-hmm. I could have like 20 kids by then, you know, and that'll be my next life. Like maybe in my next life, I'll have 20 kids and I don't know, something like that. But like, and as is, I'll still be me, you know. Yeah, I I agree with that. I, I agree that there's some fundamental aspect of us. You were talking about like a soul earlier. I I completely agree that there is some essential quality that we possess that that maybe it even deepens, 
kind of like we're steeping tea or something. Like you put the, yeah. the tea bag in the water, and it and over time we become maybe even more of that basic wow. essential. Yeah. But I agree with you. If you choose things to adorn, I mean, it, whether it's a tattoo or whether it's a a choice in any way, it's it, it's that is it is it in um in alignment with that core self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that that tea way of looking at our lives is tea. I like that. You were so so. I loved where we were in terms of your variety of projects that you've done you seem to be a born entrepreneur you were talking about you basically were doing uh what what's the card uh, taxi service uh it just oh and i i wish i would have looked at the name for i don't even know how i would find the name oh i could just ask somebody if they would remember but they if i don't remember they probably won't remember but yeah it was something like that where i just gave people like only at Fisk a ride to like where they, cause I went to Fisk where they were going. So like if someone needed a ride to Paul's market, which they would probably just walk, but if they needed a ride to uh, like Kroger and they didn't feel like walking, I would give them a ride for like a, I don't even know how I did the chart. I, I wish I could remember everything, but um, maybe like $5, you know, and it's just a quick trip up the street. If yeah. I'm just in the dorm chilling, you know, why not give someone a ride for a little bit of money? Yeah, you you were doing Uber before there, or maybe I shouldn't even use the name of the company. They are not sponsoring this podcast, but but you, so you were you just, I mean, there's got to be like a, a, I don't know if courage is the right word. There's got to be like a lightheartedness to try, as opposed to being paralyzed by you know. A lot of people are like, well, I might want to do this or I might want to do that. So. Does this just come naturally to you to try all these? You were talking about selling candy, I think. If 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 I'm yeah on- yeah selling snacks out of the dorm room. <laughs> I yeah it's it's so like even when I wanted when I found out I wanted to DJ or maybe it's just like my parents like they would never. Um, I feel like my other siblings they treated them a little different, not negatively, but like. So like my other siblings got like their first car, but like I had to work for it. And I guess they just saw in me like Ryan needs to be like challenged or like we just give her this, like she could lose her drive or I don't know. But for some reason, I feel like I've always had to work for like things extra hard. So like um, I, I told my dad I wanted to DJ, but he didn't just go out and buy me the equipment. I had to like, you know, start working for it. So like my first job was at 14 and um, I would like drive a little moped. Well, no, I think they were like, they would give me a ride, but like, they were taking slow one time, so I like drove the moped to work. So like I'm just the type where like I just like get up and go and do whatever. Like I mean, now it's not like a rebel, but I mean, it's kind of like a rebel. I just get up and go and do what I need to do to get things done. You know, if I I wanted that first car, so I was working for it. You know, and I I, I thank them now for being like that. You know, like if they just given me stuff, then I wouldn't have been the way that I am. And and you feel like being required to be uh, independent and taking the assertive path, like do, do you feel like they encouraged you to to be that way, or do you feel like you naturally already would have done that regardless? Well, no. So uh, my earliest uh, remembering of like me wanting to do more for myself, or like to be like not just average was like one day I came home like so I went to a school where like 
don't know how to describe it. It was a it was a school that's not like many that I've seen here, I guess. Definitely not like a private institution. Mm-hmm. Um, but in high school, um, I, like a lot of people or a lot of my peers, I guess, weren't like making good grades and like, I don't know, like, how do you say it? Not a failing school, but <laughs> maybe. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, I had B's, right? I, I came home with all B's and I was so proud of myself, like, I thought that I just achieved something that couldn't be achieved. So I gave my report card to my daddy. And he was like, all right, this is cool. But um, next time you need to get all A's. Like B's are cool, but like you need to strive for like all A's. And like my next report card, I got all A's. And after that, I stayed on the honor roll and I always made all A's. I'm like, I just, I wanted to like, like prove to him that it could be done. But then also, I guess like prove to myself, like, I think it just sometimes takes that person to tell you like, you can always do better. And like my sister, when I when I wanted to start Radical Rabbit, she told me um, I wanted to do it, but I wasn't like putting in the steps to do it. I would just always say, I want my own restaurant, I want my own restaurant one day. And one time I was cooking for her and she takes my cook. She's like, Ryan, you should really start your restaurant. You can really do it. Like you'll be good at it. And then after that, I was like, someone believes in me. Like, so I'm going to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So then I just put it into action. Like, I'm like, I'm not playing with myself anymore. It's just kind of like the same thing, like, if someone believes in it and I believe in it, like just make it happen. Just do whatever you need to do. That, man, isn't that so powerful to have somebody say yes? Mm-hmm. And and somebody that, that knows you well enough where it doesn't just feel like empty praise or empty, like somebody that actually knows you fully. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it sucks. Like some people don't have that person to tell them like, yes, or like to tell them like uh, you can do better. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what ch- that's what's challenging to some people. And then it's, it's like you like really got to be your own cheerleader. Like even now, like the small things, it's like like Mariah, like you could like be doing like another farmer's market. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you just got to tell yourself, like, just do it. Like, just get up and do it. But mm-hmm. yeah, having that having that person to tell you is definitely like helpful. And like you said, if you don't have that in your life, if you if you don't have any other way it could be, then sometimes you don't even know what you're capable of or what you even are interested in. Like your dad saying, like he set like a, a level, he, he redefined what your own expectations of your level were or yeah. level was. Yeah, exactly. So I want to get to the story of how you became a vegan, because I think that that's a pretty powerful uh, path in in connection to your whole path with Radical Rabbit. And we were talking about it a little bit in the first part, but uh, you were, if I remember correctly from my research, and correct me if any of this is wrong, but you were sneaking a hot plate into the dorm to be able to like take us through like how that journey took place. Yeah, so like I became vegan for animal ethical, well, vegetarian first and then vegan. So um like one of the first things I remember like there was like a bug in the dorm and like um like you know, when you see a bug you just kill it. So I was going to kill it. No, no, no. I was, sorry, I'm getting mixed up. I was going to kill it. The RA at the dorm was going to kill it. And I was trying to save. I was like, no, 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 don't kill it. She's like, why are you vegetarian? I was like, actually, I'm not. So then it just kind of made me stop and like think about like 
why do I think that this bug has life, but then I go and sit and I eat like mm. a piece of chicken, you know? So then like another instance happened where I was like walking in the store with some friends from TSU and like we was planning to like make a meal together. So I had this big rotisserie chicken or it, it was, you know, it was like the whole, the whole chicken. Yeah. Yeah. And I was holding in my arms like this, walking around the store and like they got their things. And then at the end, like, you could feel his little legs. And I was like, dang, it just felt like I was holding a baby, like, this whole time. And, like, that's another thing that just kind of clicked, like. So then I put the chicken back. We went to back to Fisk. It was Fried Chicken Wednesday where, like, people line up. Like, it's a huge line at the door. We finally got, like, to the front of the line. It's my turn to get the chicken. And, like, all of this is in my head. So, like, I get the chicken, I get the mac and cheese, and I get, like, the whole sofa plate. I sit down, I'm like, yo, I can't eat this. And they're like, what? They're like, I really just can't eat it. So, like, I didn't eat it. I let somebody else eat the chicken. I ate, like, the other stuff. My friend, she was like, Mariah, you're not going to do vegetarian. It's not going to work for you. Like, you're not really going to do it. It's going to last a week. And, like, that's, like, the last thing that set it in. Like, okay, I'm going to do it because she thinks I can't. And, like, <laughs> I was at the challenge. Like, I know myself. Like, I'm going to do it now. So, I did vegetarian. I held this event with um, the PETA 2. Uh, I was a PETA 2 campus rep. Um, I was vegetarian, but I was, like, representing PETA. But they came and, like, did their virtual reality thing. And then someone just told me, like, why I have an addiction to cheese, which, like, linked to Cassian. And that just made sense to me. So then I started the vegan journey, but then I needed to eat good. And that's where the hot plate came in. I just um, started making all the food that I ate at home, like my mama's. My mom was, uh, well, no, I don't think I was doing, I, I was doing a lot of different cooking. Like when you first go vegan or vegetarian, you do a lot of like the substitute type meats, like the Morningstar farms and things. Yeah. So I was just taking chicken with the, the apostrophe in type thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was eating those transitional foods, but I was like, I was like turning it like, like if I got the chicken from like the chicken nuggets from the store, I would like make a meal out of that. Or like, I think I did like an Alfredo pasta with like the chicken from there. But now I just use like plants and, or I try to use plants as much as possible. Mm. Mm. It's, it's funny how your story, you talk about how people have a tendency to see a bug and without even thinking, just let's just kill it. It's, it is without any consideration. I, I want you to know that when I was in middle school, I wrote a, we had to do a persuasive essay and I was in like super rural Tennessee. That's also important to know. So we're not in like some, you know, city environment. We are in like places where a lot of folks had a farm. A lot of folks had, you know, you know, if you're if you're on a farm, you are seeing death a lot and you're probably becoming more callous to it. My persuasive essay was on how you shouldn't kill spiders because of what they do good for the environment, you know, they wow. they take care of pests. And I, so I just, I love, like, I feel like in some ways you're a kindred spirit of like that just the whole world sometimes feels like, it's just like, you, you don't have to kill that thing at all. Yeah, exactly. So, so you take this leap and that is not a, a small leap. I mean, even going from a standard American diet into vegetarianism and, and so then, then you made the leap fully into veganism. What were challenges if there were any I mean obviously there were the challenges that you're kind of getting to like you wanted foods that reminded you of your you know your your childhood 
But were there other challenges before we kind of get into the genesis of Radical Rabbit? Were there other obstacles that you faced? Yeah, well, I I think that so there's there's two challenges like that like really stick out for me. One is like people, you know, just people like. And like it wasn't veganism get, gets more and more popular by the year. And like six years ago, it was like people knew or beginning to know what it was. Um, I mean, and veganism has been around for you know plenty more than like thirty years. Um, but still, I guess like the people that I was around and within like my community, they were just like, "What the heck? Like you're not gonna eat some chicken? Like you're not gonna eat like?" Like it's fried chicken Wednesday, you're not gonna eat the chicken every Wednesday. Like you're not gonna, um, like what you're gonna do for Thanksgiving. It's just like mm. the constant explaining to people, and it's like me now. Like people know I'm vegan, and they know like they already. It's it's just a part of me, and it's just like they know if I'm coming Thanksgiving, like I'm either gonna bring my food or I'm gonna bring a side dish or something, you know, something. But then like I guess it's just like the introductory phase of just telling everybody who I am now, and like. I don't know, like talking to the haters or you yeah. <laughs> like a lot of a lot of people just throwing like a lot of negativity my way, uh telling me that um uh, and I was pregnant at the time telling me that like my child wouldn't survive and like um it it was it was a lot of a lot of negativity but um I overcame that and I just it, it I think in turn like it made me a better person of like realizing like who actually needs to be in my life. Like if you bring that kind of negativity towards something that I truly believe in, where like it's a part of my identity and you just keep attacking me on it. It's just like, you shouldn't be in my life, you know, taking that mm. toxicity out of my life. And just, um, I don't know. It, I feel lighter now. Like just like knowing I, knowing who I am. And like, if you don't accept that, like that's on you. And like, if you think it's cool to like, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm doing something positive, like to the animal um, liberation movement. Like people like feel like you should just eat it because it's good. I'm like, but it's not. I mean, it's good, but like for me, it's not. You know, I don't see it that way. So I don't know. It just took some things out of some negativity out of my life. And then I guess the second thing was um, that was hard for me was um, like the emotional aspect of it. It's like once I realized like what I had been doing for years and like what's like actually going on, like every second, like the number probably changed um, from when I first looked this up, but every second, like 3000 animals die. And it's just like the weight of that, like the emotions from that and like, you know, following people online that are into animal advocacy and animal liberation. It, I was in like a real, like, you know, a really deep dark hole and it's just like, it's so hard to get out of it. Like once you like start adding these people, you just get sad all the time. And then of course, like um, other things on the news, like um, within the black community, you know, um, uh, but it, uh, you know, years ago, the Trayvon Martin mm. tragedy and just a, a lot of things in the world. You just kind of like, and I was, you know, having my, I had my, my, my young daughter and it's just like, the world is just like screwed, you know? And it's just like finding some kind of happiness. And like, I still get like emotional thinking about it. It's just like hard to stay positive, but like you have to stay positive or else nothing will ever change. Or like, 
not staying positive, but you got to like keep moving forward and you just got to find some kind of light within this dark tunnel, you know, of what's going on in the world. That's beautiful. That's, that's beautiful because, because most people will find themselves at that place. I don't know if they're going to bear as many challenges as, as you did, or they're going to bear different challenges, but that is so powerful how you've got all these things hitting you at the same time. Some of them really great, like the birth of your daughter, but that can't be a small, (laughs) easy, relaxing situation while you're navigating college, while you're navigating this path that you've chosen that you're in deep alignment with. And it's like you become aware of all of this suffering is what, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You're, You're talking about the animals, it's like you've awakened to a reality that you were perhaps asleep to. Mm, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you have to like, and you know that like one day your daughter is going to awaken to the same reality and she's going to mm. be like, you want to see the world like as a bunch of playgrounds and like ice cream and donut shops, you know, it's just like, oh, it's so much more. And you just got to stay positive for them. Because if you're not positive, then like they turn into this dark thing, you know? Mm want to keep them cheerful but I mean that they also like like seeing like her young spirit and like you know like it's like we come back and like or not we come back but like the human like our our human species comes back and like like everything renews you know so like what's going on today won't be going on in like 2010 you know 20 years or 10 years or and it's just a matter of years until we're all, uh, until we're all like renewed. Yeah. I lo- I, I think that's very hopeful. I think that that is the, I mean, at least that's my hope that that's the arc that we are all on. There's a quote that, and I don't, I can't attribute it right now, but it's like the, the moral arc of the universe bends toward justice, but it bends slowly. Do you, you know, know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. I hear you. I haven't heard that one, but I understand what you mean. Yeah, well, I think it's what you're talking about. Yeah, because change, I, I, I get it. Like, change does not come, like, fast. It always takes time. But, I don't know, I'm hopeful that it will come, at, like, one day, you know. Yeah. In whatever form it comes and however it looks, like, something has to change, you know. Well, and it, and it, it, it both in a societal a societal aspect but also in the in the individual human which is kind of the same thing at some level since we're you know the 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 above is what's below but i so just in your own life you had all this that you were juggling bearing and yet you found actually i wanted to go back to that you were talking about people that were threatened by your new identity Mm-hmm. Isn't that a powerful thing when when you become more of who you are? Oh my gosh! Yeah, but, but, but that's, that's threatening, threatening to other people. people. Yeah, exactly. But like I said, like those those are the people that like shouldn't have been there. Like should have been there for a season instead of mm. um, the whole time, anyways. And like sometimes, like those are the people that they see you as a threat, but then they're also like. We'll be vegan like next year, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bunch of I went to college with are like vegan now, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like everyone thought I was crazy in college. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you see, it's possible. 
it's like you both you, you when you become more of yourself you can be become threatening to other folks but what you're making me realize is sometimes the people that you're most that your actions and who you are is most threatening to are maybe the folks that might most benefit from whatever your your own path is or they feel threatened by it i i don't know i'm i'm not a i'm not trying to be an armchair psychologist but i i think all of us can resonate with what you're talking about and that strength that you were talking about to decide who you are at this version of who you are. Not that that's a static thing. So, but, um, you, you were talking about, you know, very vulnerably and and graciously about these challenges. And, and then did, did this act of, of making food, did that come into play at all to give you an oasis or how did you find strength? Cause you are a bright, kind person. You, you know, you have dealt with these challenges and yet you are, you, you do give joy out, it seems like. So how did you find a place to re to, to heal, you know, or to rest or to regenerate, whatever you want to say with that? Mm hmm um you mean like to start the business well when we are going through a challenging situation i'm i guess i'm more talking about that it can be helpful to find a place of respite within an activity in oh, a gotcha. friendship in a i mean it, it can look a lot of different ways but just in, in case somebody's listening who may right now be in that dire strait situation I think it's helpful to hear stories of how people are not done with challenges, but how they've made their way through them. So were there any specific practices or experiences or tools that you used? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I think me finding like cooking, like kind of keeps me, keeps my head above water. Hmm. Um, but then I also like years ago, I think around this time I started camping. Um, just like finding new things to do. And also like the people that that I was around were really positive. And like um, I was working at the National Food Project and uh, just being there. So like, like on my drive home in the morning, I would hear something on the news, um, you know, like another black man killed by police. And like, it would be like so hard to deal with. Um, but then this job, it had um, a thing called a change team where we did anti-racism work. And so like the National Food Project, it's mainly, um, it's mainly white, but um, yeah. yeah, but we would, but um, it was just like really positive to me to see that there are like, so like this was just to rewind a little bit. This was like one of my first experience with, which sounds so crazy, but <laughs> with white people like at all. So like my middle, my preschool, my middle school, my high school, my college were all predominantly black. Mm. Um, that, that one job I had though, it was, um, it was, you know, I had like a white manager. Um, but this was like me, like really like right out of college. My dad would always say like, Right, one day you're gonna be in the real world, like it's gonna be totally different. And I, I never knew what he meant by that, but I meant like he meant like one day you're not gonna be like in your black community, like you're gonna go out. So like mm. I guess like that change team, like after hearing like news like that, like I would go into the basement and just like cry my heart out, like after I would hear these things happen, but like just knowing like there are like 
white people who care, like, or just like people that are not black, who actually care about our lives and like want to sit and talk about it and like find ways that like they can change their lives and like change the company culture, like so positive for me, you know. And yeah, sometimes I didn't feel like talking about my experience; it'd just be like too much. But like just knowing that things like the change team at that organization like existed, just like kind of helps me and it still helps me just to know like like some white people like do care like yes or because I mean of course we care about our lives but like it means so much more to just like just know that we're not the only ones that care about our lives or like I passed by this house in East Nashville that says like black lives are sacred and I'm like I don't know who lives there or anything <laughs> about them but just to see that every day and like like every morning on my way to work is just so positive for me yeah. yeah, man, that is so beautiful. I mean, it's when, when this kind of injustice as the high number of black lives that are killed in these ways that are egregious, um, yeah. on, 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 as a, as a, as a reality of our culture and our society and our country and however deeply you want to go that go far with that because it, it extends very far and very long. I, it can be so hard to feel like, are there people that are looking at this and going, this is absolutely insane, horrible, not okay. Yeah, yeah. Because because there's so it there is such a loud voice in the world where it seems like that is normalized or put down or um not given the level of respect that this horrific reality deserves. Yeah. And it's just like if no one else cares, like how will things ever change, you know? <sighs> right. Like they can only get worse if if we're the only ones saying like, "Hey, like like we matter, like like our lives are here, you know, and it's just like, like if we just say that to ourselves, it, it won't make any kind of difference because I don't know. It just doesn't get to the root of the problem. A hundred percent. And and we all need each other. That's one of the reasons why this podcast, I wanted to relaunch it is exactly what, what you were describing is that it becomes harder to have a simplistic ability to hate if if you have conversations with people, if you can hear who they are at a deep level. I think we we all have so much more in common with each other, ultimately at a core level, than the opposite of that. Yeah, I, I totally, I definitely agree with that. Um, but yeah, I... I I came back outside and the airplane is back. Oh, that's it's a lovely day. I, I'm this is a, this is cool audio. This is just adding to the variety of uh, environment. No problem. Yeah, there it goes. Yeah, I think me just aligning like with those people. Um, just go back to your original question. Definitely like kept me, um, kept me sane, or just um, or just realizing that like, like the world is like there's more people in the world like. And there's just a lot of love out here, you know. There's hate, but then there's also a lot of love. And just being around a lot of love just keeps you going. Well, and, and so with with your incredible multi 
varied path that you've been on, um, somehow in the midst of all these stories and this journey, you started a business after thinking about it for a while. Because apparently, actually, I want to go back there. You were talking about having a conversation with your sister saying you wanted to have your own restaurant. When, when, take us to where that conversation was had. Yeah, it was at um, an apartment we lived in um, together. She had just moved to Nashville. And yeah, I, I, I always say it and just she kind of put the words in and made me believe it. I was just making some cookies and she loved the cookies so much. She was like, you need to make this happen. How, how far removed from the creation of the business was that time? Like how was, did, it, did it occur immediately after that or how, where did that fit on the timeline? You know, I think she told me that and maybe 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 two to three weeks after I started selling the food, like right out of the apartment. I sold like plates out of the apartment. I don't know. I think my first order was maybe maybe 10 orders. And then, you know, it just started growing more and more for those. It was Soul Food Sunday that we did. Mm. And then uh, I just took that Soul Food Sunday. I had this... um caring of a neighbor who wasn't happy with the soul food Sundays. Um, but in a way, like it just, it just encouraged me to do better, you know? So then I started selling, I stopped cooking out of my house and selling food out of the trunk to, of my car to, um, sell it in the actual, I mean, cooking in the actual commercial kitchen and cooking in, in marketplaces around town. And I'm just hoping to like keep growing from there and like have a, brick and mortar one day were you already getting like what i what i'm envisioning is that you were already cooking and you you were talking earlier about how you were cooking uh in a way to honor that kitchen where you were learning from your your mother and your grandmother and their incredible legacy of cooking that we talked about earlier but then what i remember reading was that you were trying to make these dishes that you loved vegan and were you getting like feedback from people who were saying like this is incredible like were you already getting when you decided to take this leap lots of feedback from the from the world saying mariah you need to start this or like did you just do it blindly or what did that look like yeah and i yeah so it's actually it's like the feedback and the positive phrase that like keeps me going and like know that I'm on the right path, you know, um, selling at veg fest for the first time I was doing it. Oh, I forgot how long I was doing it for before veg fest, but I, you know, I was selling out of the trunk and then I, um, moved to the kitchen. I did veg fest for the first time. And um, a lot of people that went to veg fest were saying how good it was. But then like the people that were like buying it when I was selling it out of the house, they, um, they were coming back every week. And just like, and then it, I think it went from like people coming to my house and we had like three pickup locations and it would be like a line of people there getting the food. So other like, people are like really enjoying it. So like, might as well keep going. I enjoy doing it. So why stop, you know? It'll be like all I think about, like it's all I'm thinking about now. Like what am I serving next week? Or my dad said like, once you like wake up thinking about that thing, like that's how you know you have a passion for it. Mm. just automatic like you you can't not think about it yeah exactly 
So as long as people are eating, I'm cooking. And even if they're not, I'm still going to be cooking because that's my passion. Well, and, and you do such cool and creative things. Like you, th this is, I mean, and there's always new stuff, it seems like. So I'd, I'd, I'd love to get more into the, uh, I guess, the artist studio, so to speak, of, of how you, you know, the idea of, I, I don't want to, say this wrong but veganizing is that a is that an inappropriate term no no that that's that's actually the term i use veganizing these dishes that are definitely not traditionally vegan is that hard does it require a lot of trial and error does it require you know, how do you cuz cuz when i again taking this back to the religious experience that i had and i am going to continue to call it a religious experience the first time i had radical rabbit uh, jackfruit, smothered jackfruit. I was like, how is this possible? How is this not chicken? Like how it, so I'm sorry. I, that was a long way of saying, how do you create these things? How do you make this veganizing process? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, so I'll take it into the quote unquote, like text test kitchen, which is like, I'll take it to my house and like figure or when I say it, I mean, an ingredient. Mm -hmm. um, that I want to try and use, which I, I've been experimenting a lot with jackfruit and different types of mushrooms, like lion's mane. Mm -hmm. So, like, um, I would go to, well, before I get to the kitchen, I'll go to, like, the international market. I'll, I'll take an ingredient, and I'll see what I can do with it. And then, um, so, like, jackfruit, to me, it tastes like turkey mm -hmm. or chicken. So, I'll, um, I'll, like, look up different soul food recipes for um or like I'll call someone, but we we big enough so many different recipes. I I like just have to look up soul food and see like what people in like Chicago are eating for their soul food or what's popular uh, in New York soul food. You know, and just I don't know, just figure out different things I can do with it. I always end up just going with things that like for memory. <laughs> um, mm. But then I don't know, my memory is limited, so you know I try different things and just see what works um i think the smothered recipe i got another airplane i got um the smothered chicken recipe from not the recipe but the the idea from like a soul food plate that i saw on um google and it had smothered chicken so you're 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 taking the vegan ingredients or maybe i should just say plants you're taking the plants or the fruit and you are you, you're you're basing that off of like a recipe that would be without like that would be done with a with with meat like you're using that as the basis yeah i don't limit myself so i'll look at any 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 type of um vegan it's raining sorry oh wow <laughs> i like need to get these harvested but it's raining i'll look at any recipe in veganize it doesn't matter if it's vegan uh -huh. um, I'll call like a cousin or an aunt and say like, what are you eating for dinner? And I'll veganize it. Oh my gosh. Hey, let's not let your phone get, uh, <laughs> toast. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to, as we wrap, I'm going to come run back out here and get these. I don't want to get all wet. No. Yeah. And don't get your phone, uh, soaked either. Uh, I think it's amazing what you do. I think it's incredibly creative and it doesn't sound like you, you have some sequential process. It sounds like you're kind of being very impromptu about what you're doing. Would you say that that's true? 
Uh, yeah, exactly. I just kind of go with what I'm feeling or um, what I'm craving <laughs> or what our team is craving in the kitchen and just try to make some food out of that. Well, I, I want everybody that listens that is, is interested, curious, whether you're vegan, vegetarian, not whatever, this is, this is excellent food. If you could look back at either your young self an earlier life that you lived when you were five years old or eight years old or pick whatever age you would like. I think it's helpful if you're a younger person and younger could be anywhere. It could be, I'm in middle school. It could be, I'm, I just got out of high school. It doesn't matter. But what advice with all the lives that you've lived and all the journeys, what advice might you give either your younger self or just a younger person in general from where you are now? Yeah. Um, gosh, I have so much advice I would give myself. Uh, really, <laughs> just focus on myself. Like, don't focus on... Um, I'm trying to find a cool way to say it, but men. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just focus on myself. Like, you don't know who... You can't be with someone if you don't know who you are. Um, it yes. would be, like, trust, trust my gut, you know, uh, spend a lot of time with myself instead of um, looking for uh, other ways to like. I get. I would just honestly just focus on myself. Spend time with myself. Um, do a lot of self care and just go for like everything that I'm going for. Just go like ten times harder. Um, and just like don't be afraid to fail. Mm. If I do, which I will, just keep going and then. Just keep creating, keep innovating, and keep challenging myself. Uh, don't keep the right people and and keep the right people around. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, that's like seven things right there that I, I feel like you could write an entire book about those those seven things alone. Yeah. Well, you have lived a truly fascinating, and I would say epic life with all the things that you've done. I think you've got a ton of wisdom, a ton of very cool experiences. I, I want to thank you for, for giving the time to share them. But I, I was curious from the very first time I saw your booth at the farmer's market, how did you come up with the name? Oh, Radical Rabbit. Um, so, like, when you go vegan or even when I was vegetarian, people would say, you eat like a rabbit. Like, we, you know, you eat tiny um, little bits, kind of, you graze all day. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's okay to eat like a rabbit, like, fine. But, like, I think we do it in, like, a radical way. Like, we're not just giving you salads. We're giving you, like, um, you know, smothered jackfruit green. Didn't you do a chitlins? Oh, <laughs> you saw that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll, do, I'll try anything, you know. Um, I'll try to use plants to substitute anything, like, my some of my stuff you know comes from family some of it comes from just customers saying dang i miss this or i don't know just thinking of something else we can veganize you know so uh it's it's like the name is radical rabbits but i think of um all of us or people that consume our food or you know crazy vegan food or just like we're radical rabbits well, it's a worthy name and it, it is, I would ask anybody, no matter your, whether you're a vegetarian, a vegan, uh, 
whatever, somebody that eats a standard American diet, check out Radical Rabbit if you're in the Nashville area. Um, Again, what is so powerful is how creative it is, how delicious it is, and how unique what you bring to the table is. So if, if folks are interested, if you can just end by sharing how they can best find out about what you're doing and where they can eat your food. Yeah, thank you. Um, if you're interested, you can go to Instagram at Radical Rabbit underscore. You can follow us on Facebook. Just search Radical Rabbit or it's um, Facebook.com slash Rad Rab Nashville. You can go to our website, www.radrab.com. Uh, yeah, or, or you could just email info at radrab.com. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Mariah Raglan. If you'd like to check out Radical Rabbit, you can go to radrab.com. That is R-A-D-R-A-B.com. For more of the podcast, you can go to epicordinarylives.com. And if you want to support what I'm doing here, you can write a review on Apple iTunes. You can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Or you can share it with a friend or family member. I'll be back in two weeks with another story of an ordinary person who is living an epic life. And until then, I hope you can continue to find those epic moments in your own life. Take care.